Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. I'm Michelle Bowler. I'm an army wife of over eight years, a mom of four little girls, and a huge believer that being a supportive military or first responder loved one is way easier when you connect with the community. In addition to sharing some of my own insights and journey, I have set out to interview Waiting Warriors around the world so we can all learn together from their triumphs and their struggles. Together, we can do so much more than just survive. We can thrive. And that is what being a waiting warrior is all about. Hey, waiting warriors out there. Welcome to another podcast episode. And before we get to today's interview, I have a quick shout out to this really awesome company called Her Hero Jewelry. They sent this shirt. If you're on YouTube, you can see it. If not... If you're listening, you'll just have to see when I post a picture on Instagram. But it says, military spouse, one and a half cups patience, two tastes, two. I should learn how to read, guys. I should really learn how to read. It's elbow grease, courage, tolerance, a dash of adventure, and then serve with pride. It's just super comfy. I thought you guys would love it because it's, one, I love like a creative t-shirt. And two, it's an awesome military spouse company shirt. So again, just her hero jewelry theory. I don't know. You gotta like share the good t-shirts when they're like comfy, you know? It's good. But today's episode is I'm really excited. And if you're on YouTube, it's like, look at her necklace. It's all flashy. And <laughs> welcome to the show. Aletha is a realtor in Central Texas. She was a physical therapist assistant for 20 years, which mm-hmm. sounds like a fun career. And I'm curious how like you could possibly have a career that long as a military spouse, because that entire time her husband was in the army. They have a 15 year old daughter and mm-hmm. been through a whole lot in the military. Let's just, let's just dive into that. So okay. tell us all the things you get married. Okay, first of all, were you? Did you marry a soldier, or did you marry and then he became a soldier? Which one? so we started dating when I was well. We went to the same high school. But we weren't high school sweethearts. I was a sophomore when he was a senior, and we started dating when I graduated from high school, which was in 1997. Okay. Um, and so while we were dating, he was in college, and he um, had already been in college for like four years because he was working at McDonald's and paying his way through school, and it was really difficult. And so he's like, hey, there's this program called ROTC, and if I join, they'll pay for my college, for what was left of it, and they'll give me a dorm room. And he lived, his parents lived really far from the college, so that was going to save him a lot on gas. Yeah. So like, oh, that's awesome, they're going to pay for your school, not realizing that then he was going to have to like join the military. <laughs> I didn't know at that part. So uh, we got married in December 2000. So this, uh, the 16th of December will be 20 years we've been married. Wow. Yeah. And um, we, we got married and he was still in college. I was already a therapist. My dad wouldn't let me get married until I graduated college. So my poor dad, I graduated college in May. I turned 21 in July and I got married in December. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we got married and he still needed like a year and a half more of college. And um, he, then he, 9-11 happened and then he commissioned right after. So all we've known is war in our Whoa. military 
yeah, journey. So he left to Fort Knox because he was an armor officer first. And he left there, he went there by himself because they had told him that lieutenants were typically not married and so that he shouldn't take his wife with him to lieutenant school. So he went by himself and I stayed behind. I stayed behind um, and I was working as a therapist. And then we found out that all the guys in his uh, school were all coming to Fort Hood because Fort Hood was gonna be one of the first ones to deploy to Iraq. Mm -hmm. So he and one other guy got um, 4th ID, 4th Infantry Division, mm -hmm. and then all the rest of them went to 1st Cav. So here at Fort Hood, they were always gone, so alternating between 4th ID going, they would come back, 1st Cav would go, 1st Cav would come back, 4th ID would go. So um, it was it's crazy town here at Fort Hood. But, um, but at Fort Hood the whole time? And just no, no, no. This is our second time. Okay. And we're crazy and asked to come here instead of Italy. We, we had gotten orders to Italy and we asked to come to Fort Hood instead. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, not very often. <laughs> well, our families are from here. We're family oriented and our parents are getting older. So we're six hours away from home. So that, um, and it was just going to be like, we knew that he would want to be retiring and we didn't want him to retire from overseas and then our daughter doing high school over there and then having to come somewhere and do her senior year you know not knowing so we're very structured people <laughs> as much as we can be you know in this life um so we chose to come here instead yeah okay so tell me about that like crazy middle though because I know you weren't at Fort Hood but I know you have been through like a whole bunch of deployments mm -hmm. and all the PCSs and stuff and then I, I don't know there's no like smooth way just so everybody knows I've asked to ask this question I would mm -hmm. never dream of asking <laughs> some random person without permission first but I know like you only have one daughter and that mm -hmm. planned. What was what was that experience like for you? So she is our miracle baby. We were told when um, I mean we knew that we wanted kids since we got married, and because of him going to the armor school by himself, and then we got here and he deployed right away to Iraq for a year. When he came back, we're like, okay, well we're gonna try to have a baby. And we were trying and we couldn't get pregnant. So we went to go see a fertility doctor and there's like, they did tests and everything on both of us. And there's like, there is no physical way that you all will conceive naturally. You need to do IVF. And we knew that he was going to be deploying again to Iraq. So the doctor's like, we just need to get you, you know, before they usually wait a while, like they do medications and other things before they go straight to IVF. Um, because it's expensive, <laughs> but they're, they knew he was deploying. So they're like, let's just get you on the waiting list. We were here at Fort Hood. So San Antonio was the closest military installation that had an IVF program. Oh, and so great. they got us on the waiting list there. And I remember just telling the, the doctor, I'm like, can you please just give me medication while we wait? Because I had heard the waiting just to get your first initial appointment was four to five months. And so the originally she had given me a hundred milligrams of Clomid and it did not make me ovulate at all. So that's when she said, there's no way you're going to get pregnant on your own. Mm -hmm. So when she gave me the medication again, she gave it to me at 50 milligrams. So I'm thinking in my head, if it didn't work at hundred, it's not going to work at 50, but okay. Um, and we went, it was during December timeframe. We went home uh, to visit our family because my cousin was getting married and I ended up conceiving our daughter. <laughs> 
they, I guess because the pressure was off, like they're like, there's no way that you can conceive, you know? And so we stopped thinking about it and I had a great time at the wedding. <laughs> and, uh, like I said, my anniversary is on the 16th and um, I, I like Joel Osteen. He's a Christian pastor in Houston and I get his devotionals daily. And I had received a devotional that day um, on my anniversary and it was Romans 12, 12. And um, it just um, spoke to me and it's a um, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer or something to that effect. And I was like, okay, God, I'm listening. I know that what I'm asking you for is coming. I just have to be patient and I have to continue to pray for what I want. Well, I was pregnant and I didn't know yet. Yeah. And um, we went back home again for Christmas time. And I don't know if you will know anything about Texas, but Texas is typically very hot, yeah. and especially in South Texas, right? So even like during Christmas time in South Texas, maybe the coldest as it gets is like 70 and people are like with parkas because they're, they're cold, for them it's cold. Um, and it was Christmas Eve and my father-in-law comes um, inside and he's like, it's snowing outside. And we're like, what? You're right. You're joking with us. We come out and everything is covered in snow. It had not snowed there in over a hundred years. Wow. It was like a Christmas miracle. And um, then we found out we were pregnant. That then, day? Like two days later after. Mm -hmm. You're like, you know, the Gilmore girls? I've heard of it. I've never watched it. Mm -hmm. Oh, come on. In the Gilmore Girls, the mom, like, says that snow is magical, and she's, like, she gets really into it. It's literally oh, yeah. magical for you. That's cool. Yeah. Super cool. Okay, so we got our miracle that, that Christmas, and um, so when she was two months old, he deployed again to Iraq, so that was really difficult. I, um, my, I, We owned a home here at Fort Hood. I think I had put in my um, little notes that I was a, uh, working as a therapist and during my lunch break, I went and I purchased a house while he was deployed during his first deployment. Well, they were doing like a brand new construction and I lived in an apartment because when um, I moved here, I was like 22 and my dad knew that my husband was deploying. So my dad's like, I want you somewhere safe. So you need to be in an apartment with gates or whatever. So I did that. And then uh, I was like, I can't stay in an apartment, you know, this whole time. So they were building a brand new construction uh, right by my work. So I went during lunch just to drive around and I ended up buying a house. Yeah, power of attorney. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I would send him pictures because during that time we didn't have like the Skype and all that stuff during the first deployments. It was crazy if you got a phone call, you always had to have that phone right next to you in yeah. case they called. And it was like a three minute phone call and it was like statically, staticky, you couldn't hear anything. Um, so yeah, so we bought the house. And so when he came back, he came home back to a house. And then when he deployed again, my daughter was two months old and my parents were like, just come back down to South Texas and we'll help you with her um, so that you can still work if you want to. So that's what I did. And um, I was very blessed that my company that I worked for before I became an army wife hired me back on. And it was a pediatric uh, clinic. So I worked with children and there was a lot of us therapists who were moms and so were the owners. And so they had an in-home um, or a, a daycare inside the clinic in the pediatric clinic. So it was really nice because I could take her with me to work and nurse her between patients and stuff like that. So that was, that was a blessing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That is an awesome company. Yeah. Sure. 
Yeah. And um, so that was a very long year. The first one, I think, went faster just because I was by myself and I just <laughs> and worked. I worked a lot. But the second time with a baby, it was so hard. Yeah. Year, any year, like the first year with a baby is long. Like I've done it four times. It is a long year. But then add a deployment onto that, which we did like for the last baby. It, it does. It's long, which is so funny because it's like, the days go by so slow. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Especially, I don't know about your kids, but my baby, she did not sleep. She oh. did not sleep. And, and I was a walking zombie. Yes. I don't, I don't want that again. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when he came back, we wanted to have more kids. And because um, we wanted like four or five kids. Um, and we tried everything like, um, again, we, and the, and the hard part is PCSing and starting the process over with a new doctor again, and being told something else that the other one didn't say, and, you know, trying other medications and, um, and the yo-yoing of, of weight as well, because what I have is PCOS, it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. So it mimics being diabetic. So your insulin is not working well and you're producing more male hormones than you are female hormones. Um, yeah. So my weight is always like fluctuating, especially when you're doing like all the hormone injections and all that stuff too. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's very hard. So we've, yeah, we've done like seven IUIs. We've done all sorts of medications. We did IVF twice at Fort Bragg when we were stationed at, um, Fort Gordon in Georgia, the closest military place that would do it was Fort Bragg. So I would drive five hours wow. to do the treatments. <clears throat> yeah. And unfortunately, they, I never um, got pregnant again. And I, I'm personally, I'm thankful like that I never miscarried or anything. I've only ever been pregnant once. And that was with our daughter. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I could deal with that heartache, but um it's, it's been a challenge. I think this is the first time that I've been at peace with not, you know what I mean? Like now that I'm doing real estate and I'm busy and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, God, it's, it wasn't meant to be, you know, for me to be a mom again, but I have to be thankful for the blessing that you did give me and enjoy her, you know, but I like that would have to be really, really hard. And I all like, I feel so unqualified to even be asking the questions because I have four little kids. Like, clearly, infertility is that's not my problem. Mm -hmm. But it is a problem for so many, especially yeah. in the military. Yeah, and it makes me wonder too from our guys, like you know, if if it's uh, like all those injections they give them, or just being in the heat, because it's not just me. My husband also has issues. So like um, being for them being in Iraq where it's really hot, I, I don't know if it does something to their sperm count. Um, no, I don't know, but I would. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> like, you you kind of brushed on it. So how many, while, while you guys were like trying to deal and dealing with the infertility, how mm -hmm. many PCSs did you have to do? So from Fort Hood, we went to... Did we, I can't remember. We started the process again with the same doctor when he came back. I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't think, I think as, he, as soon as he came back from the, because Fort Hood has been our longest duty station. We were here for four years because, because he was always gone. Everything else has been like two to three years okay. or one and a half. 
So from here, we went to Fort Knox for the captain's career course. So we were only supposed to be there six months, but um, he got, got diagnosed with really, really bad PTSD. So he was able to get out of the of the captain's career course, they allowed him to get out and get treatment. And then once he was done with that, he went back and finished the captain's career course and um, they gave us a command there at Fort Knox. So we ended up being there two years and we weren't supposed to be there six months. <laughs> um, yeah, so we got seen at the University of Louisville. We got seen off post for, for treatment. So I just think it wasn't the right time then either because we were dealing with him and the PTSD and stuff. And then imagine me all hormonal with all the medications and stuff. So it was not a good time or mix. Um, and then from there, we went to El Paso. We were there a year and a half. We did do treatments there. Um, there was no military installation that did it there. So the one that they sent us to was Walter Reed in Bethesda. So they flew my husband and I both wow. over there to um, to do the like the initial processing because they don't pay for IVF. The military doesn't. Yeah. They just pay for like the workup to find out what is going on. Okay. Um, but the actual IVF you have to pay for, and it just didn't feel right just because it felt like you were just a number there for me um, at at Walter Reed. Like I didn't feel like I don't know, good patient care. I don't know how to explain it. I just didn't feel comfortable going through the process there. And then having to fly there, you know what I mean? And do the treatments and stay in a hotel. And um, so we just did medications during that time. We didn't um, do the IVF. Um, then from there, we went to Fort Gordon. And then at Fort Gordon, we did, um, like I said, I would travel to Fort Bragg and we did one IVF. And they got six embryos total. And that's another thing that I had a, a confliction with being a Christian was to me, an embryo is a baby. And so I was like, if I have embryos left over, what are we going to do? Because to me, those are babies, you know? Um, so when we did the first cycle um, with the six embryos, they implanted two and it didn't take. So then they froze four of them. So when we went back, uh, to do um, to do it again, it's called a FET, a frozen embryo transfer, is what it's called. Mm -hmm. um, they put two embryos per vial when they freeze them. Mm -hmm. So when they thawed them out, um, one of them died of the four, and then the day of the procedure, another one died. So we only had two to put in, and then that one didn't take. So I'm I'm thankful because I didn't have to make that tough call. You know, God did that for for us. Um, and then from there, we went to Fort Campbell and Fort Campbell also doesn't have like, uh, an IVF. Yeah. So I saw a doctor, I think he's Chilean in Nashville. <laughs> um, we saw him and he also, at this point he had already deployed to Afghanistan. So when he came back, we're like, um, you know, we're going to try again, whatever. I had lost 80 pounds. I was doing CrossFit and eating really well uh, wow. while he was deployed. And they tell you, when, especially when you have PCOS, that if you lose weight, it'll help conceive. Yes. So I'm like, this is it. You know, I've lost 80 yeah. pounds. I was feeling really good. I was feeling really healthy and in shape. And we went in and we saw that doctor and he was just very blunt. And he's like, I believe I was 35 at the time. I can't remember. And he was like, um, was I 35? maybe 34. I was under 35. 
And he told me that my eggs were that of a 45 year old. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> I know. And so then he's like, I think our best bet, he's like, your problem is not carrying a baby. Your problem is like making a baby. Your eggs are not good quality. And then, you know, my husband's uh, count was low. So yeah. he's like, we, I think you should just use a donor egg and we'll use your husband's sperm and you know we'll make you a baby and you can carry it I just felt so conflicted with that and I was just like that that ride from Nashville home after hearing that was just the longest car ride ever like I was just so hurt and I was like how can we not tell well that's another thing and I was like I what am I going to tell this child you know um, and he's like, oh, you don't tell the child anything. You just, we, we, I have a book. He's like, I have a book of all these ladies who donate eggs to my clinic and we'll find one that looks like you. And then you just will never tell this child. And I was like, I, I can't, I just, I, I don't know. So, um, so we didn't go through it. It may, it may be for someone, but for me, I think I would have just rather adopted a child who was already in this world that needed a loving home you know, and not go through all of that. Yeah. So how do you, like, how do you go through all of this? Do you know what I mean? Like you have deployment with PCS with a baby, like, and a baby, like the baby that you have and you love and PTSD and like trying, like just the millions of heartaches that come with infertility and trying and the different hard conversations you're having to have all the travel like and then you pcs again and then you deploy and then you have mm -hmm. to start this whole basically i feel like it sounds like you're starting the infertility process just all over yeah yeah how do you, how do you deal with that with god's help i really don't know <laughs> like just lots of prayer and um staying busy you know, staying busy and just thinking about all the blessings that I do have, you know, and not focusing on, on what I don't have, you know, I think it's easier just because I, I do have my beautiful daughter and she's perfect in every way. So I, I can't complain. I can't like, I've been blessed so much. So yeah, but that doesn't negate like the heartache, like, like you can see mm -hmm. the heartache is still very real. Mm -hmm. but, like, I'm so touched because you're such a beautiful example of, like, counting your blessings. Even though you long for for more blessings, you know, that's what I consider kids to be. Like, yes, they are helpful and, you know, you can say whatever you want about kids, but, like, they are blessings. They are huge, yeah. huge beautiful blessings. So it's, like, I don't know. It's, it's just beautiful to hear you, like you're counting your blessings and longing and praying for other ones, but you're mm -hmm. still getting all the ones that you have. Yeah. Yeah. And I will tell you that, you know how I told you about uh, Romans 12, 12. So after we did the IVF and it didn't work, I was like, God, you opened all these doors and we paid so much money, you know, to do IVF and, and just everything physically, emotionally, financially, you know, taxing. And I was like, after it didn't work, I remember like sitting at my computer and thinking, Lord, why did you open all these doors? Why did you make me go through this process on my body? You know what I mean? For it not to work, 
why did you open the doors? You should just close them from the beginning, you know? Yeah. Um, and I open up my computer and I get Romans 12, 12 again from a Joel Osteen devotional. Oh. I started bawling girl. I was like, okay, God, like, okay. I, I, I get it. I had not gotten that devotional since the first time, you know, it had already been, I think my daughter was seven, seven or eight by that time. So it had already been like nine years since I had gotten that, that devotional. And so I just felt, okay, it, it's, it's not in my hands. It's not Yeah. like it had to have served a purpose. And I'm very vocal about, I mean, most of my friends know about our, our, struggles with IVF and um, I have so many people that that have come to me and asked me questions and I'm so happy to share because I don't want people to feel alone or um, that it's an embarrassment because you can't have a child you know yeah yeah that is like so important that's one of the reasons why I like I was so grateful that you would share that because I know so many people mm -hmm. who struggle and they struggle silently or they struggle and they maybe share a little bit, but they still feel so alone about it. And that like yeah. heartbreaking to me because mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine that torture. And then you're feeling alone. Like that's miserable. Yeah. Because after the, that doctor told us that about the eggs, then he had already done a year in Afghanistan. He had only been home like a month and they went again they deployed again after only being home for five months from the year dong deployment because they got tasked with the Ebola mission to Africa. And it was not considered a deployment. It was considered a humanitarian mission. So they didn't have to be home for that year. Yeah, that was so hard. And so then I gained all my weight back when he, um, when he deployed the, the other time. So yeah. <laughs> It's just been a yo-yo. So when we, um, when he came back from there, we PCS to um, Chesapeake, Virginia, by Virginia Beach. That was a nice assignment. Yeah. <laughs> and there we saw, um, we were seen by Navy doctors. And they had, um, mm -hmm. so they, uh, if you know anything about the Norfolk area, that was where the first IVF baby was born. At the, really? at, I think it's the Jones Institute is what it's called. Really? Yeah, so we were there where the first IVF baby was born <laughs> or was made. Um, so we got to see those doctors. The army or the military doesn't have their own embryologist, um, but there uh, the doctor did perform the insemination. We would just have to go to the Jones Institute to do the uh, to see the embryologist that would clean out the sperm and do all that fancy stuff that I know nothing about. <laughs> Um, but when that didn't work again, I told my husband, we need to shift gears. We, we, there's so many kids who need a home. And I didn't share this in my other thing, but we became foster parents while we were in Virginia. Um, but that was a heartache in itself as well, <laughs> because our hope was to be able to adopt and foster care is, is not necessarily meant for that. It's always they always preach reunification with family if possible. And so we received a little girl and little boy, brother and sister on Memorial Day weekend at eight o'clock at night. <laughs> and we had nothing for little ones. We didn't know their names, nothing. They just called and said, hey, we have a um, three-year-old and a one-year-old. Will you take them? Mm -hmm. Like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and we had prayed, like we had said, my husband's name is Angel. 
and our daughter's name is Ariella and I'm Aleida, so we're all with A's. And so I said, if we ever had more kids, we we're going to name them all with A's. Mm -hmm. So before we got these kids, like I said, we didn't know their names. And so I was like, Lord, if these kids are meant to be ours, they're going to have names that start with A. And they did. <laughs> yeah, but they weren't meant to be ours, only for two months. But during those two months, I mean, there was like if they were always there, they were, you know, like my husband didn't want to get attached. And I think he's the one that got attached the most. Because he would come home from work and they'd be like, Daddy. I mean, like from the second day, they were already calling us mom and dad, you know, because they didn't have that structure. Um, so the judge cited that they should go back to family. And from that morning that we went to court, they were gone, you know, within like six hours after. That was really hard. Yeah. <sighs> You know, I have so many stories to tell, not always very happy ones, but yeah. um, I know that it served a purpose. And even if like during those two months that they saw what a family unit should look like, and, and she was very bright, the little girl was very bright and she knew a, a lot more probably than she should. So hopefully she'll remember what right is, you know, and, um, and I just pray for them. I pray that they're being taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. Foster kids are that's like a special place in heaven for foster kids and foster parents. So yeah. what, what would you say to a military spouse though, who's like, who's going through the infertility and the struggles like you've, you know what I mean? Like, like you've been through, it sounds like everything <laughs> there is to go through don't give up there's always a reason and a purpose for for your what you're going through we may not see it we may never see it we may never know you know but um just keep pushing through everything's for a purpose mm -hmm. that's how i feel yeah it just how, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger <laughs> but it's like did did you ever feel like like why does everything have to be so hard yeah. Like, yeah. How would you get yourself out of those moments? Because that, that's like a, that is a really hard place to be, infertility or not. I, because like I said, I'm an open book. I just talked about it. For me, that helps me to talk about it. You know, um, I know there's some people that don't like to share, but I think, I think it's hurting you more by keeping it inside. You'd be surprised of how many women, especially in the military, deal with infertility. And I think just sharing may help you release some of that. Yeah. How did you just talk to like anybody who would listen or did you find like special groups or something? Yeah, because I was a part of like um, infertility pages or women uh, in the military who were doing like IVF and all that stuff. So I think sharing there, but then like, just in like small groups, like in the FRG or when I was part of the spouses club, you know what I mean? The word gets around. Yeah. Um, so people or, or my friends would say, hey, you know, um, because they know that I'm an open book and I would tell them, you know, if anybody's going through this or whatever, um, they would say, hey, you know, my friend, you know, would you mind talking to her? I'm not going to tell you what's going on. I'll let her share. But um, would you mind talking to her? I'm like, of course. So that's so awesome that you've 
you've you are the kind of person that people like can trust their friends in the hard place you know what I mean like that that's no small small thing like that speaks a lot to you and your character and your heart even that I don't know you know what I mean like it's like I don't I don't trust my friends and their their tender heart with just anybody but I love that you've been there for so many people and I, try. <laughs> I love it so what is what's your key to thriving that you would share with your fellow waiting warriors um try to stay positive uh find something that you love be a part of the community I think um, I admin a lot of Facebook pages, um, and those ladies have become, it's it mostly, you know, sp spouses, <laughs> uh, military wives that the pages are for. Mm -hmm. And I just, uh, finding community, being involved, helping where you can, um, helping, it helps stay, helps you stay busy. And, um, my heart is of being a giver, like that is my love language. My love language is not receiving or giving gifts. My love language is acts of service. Mm -hmm. So wherever I can help, that always just makes me feel good. Yeah. It may yeah. not be for everybody, but <laughs> try it. Yeah. See if it is for you. That's the fun, interesting thing about the love languages is like, you got to try them all and then like actually think and analyze what one is yours. So because you are such an open book, if somebody wants to connect, if they have questions, if they just need like a kindred heart with infertility, what is a good way for somebody to get in touch with you? They can email me uh, if you want to share my email with them or do you want me to say it? On you can say it and then we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. It's aflores7533 at gmail.com. Awesome. So yeah, reach out guys. If Because seriously, like... Oh, it like my heart like just breaks. It just breaks that this is something that people have. Like you have such a burning desire to do something so good, and yet for some reason you can't. And like I can't imagine that struggle. I've had to watch close family and friends deal with that. But like I am so grateful that there are people like you who will come on a podcast and speak to thousands and and open up your heart so they do have somebody that can relate and can give answers and can give hope and just those, even just like the beautiful reminders to just continually count your blessings and and understand that there there can be a purpose. Yeah. I, I'm so grateful. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All you waiting warriors out there, if you struggle with this, please reach out. Please, like, if you're, you know, I can't, I can't give answers on what to do, but I will always send a warm, loving hug. Aitha will send her love and her advice. Um, but yeah, just know my heart is with you. And thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being on the show. Waiting Warriors, remember, just because it is hard. And I know if you are listening to this, you're, you are probably going through something really, really hard. It doesn't mean it has to be totally miserable. Have a good week, Thanks. guys. Bye. Bye. 
Hey, Waiting Warriors, if you are in the middle of a deployment, heading into one, or shoot, you're just a military spouse who wants to like get ahead of the deployment game, I have created a free resource just for you. It's a PDF file called Three Ways to Set Up Your Marriage for a Successful Deployment. It is three quick things that you can do with your spouse that I've done with mine that really helped us through our number of separations. If you're watching on YouTube, there will be a link just in the caption. You can go to my website, theweaningwarriors.com, and there's a yellow link with it on the top right, or you can go to subscribepage.com slash three, like the number three, ways to set up your marriage for a successful deployment. Okay, there will be a link in the bio in the show notes if you need it. Go check that out, please. Take care of yourself, take care of your marriage, be intentional, and let me help you through this.